This is episode 243 of the 200 Churches Podcast. I wanted every pastor to know that the Heavenly Father is not like a worldly boss, that God is not trying to use you and then throw you away. God will use new circumstances to grow us deeper and make us more like Jesus than we ever thought possible. So we should embrace the the new terrain because it's what God's going to use to grow us. Welcome to the 200 Churches Podcast, where every Wednesday we produce a fresh episode of ministry encouragement for pastors of small churches. Now here are two guys who, like you, serve in the trenches of small church ministry. The Pooh and Piglet of ministry podcasts, Jeff and Johnny. This is the 200 Churches Podcast. My name is Johnny Craig. I'm, I'm here in sunny Johnston, Iowa with with my good friend and colleague. And I've never seen you wear this shirt, Jeff. You're losing weight. You're dropping like a rock and you're buying new clothes. How you say your name? Yeah, Tell Jeff Katie. Yeah, how Jeff you doing? I'm, I'm good. This is uh, not a brand new shirt, Johnny. I've had it for quite a while. But, uh, but it hasn't fit for quite a while? Well, but no, but you haven't been around. I haven't you know, been around you since the end of May. So it's been a while. It's quite a while. It's September. What yeah, is so yeah, but I've I've had it since then. So <laughs> okay. maybe I've dropped a few pounds. So that that shirt is as old yeah. as as our absence from one another. Johnny, I just told you before we started recording. Yes. I would like to address this issue that people have asked me about. The elephant in the room. Yeah. Hey Jeff, now that you're not in a small church, can you still? What about that podcast you guys do? Isn't that kind of like disingenuous that you do that podcast? Hey Jeff, aren't you too big time? And I I just want to, well, I shouldn't say what I want to do because it would be unchristian. There you go. (laughs) But but listen, this is, uh, we are almost, we're pushing very soon five years doing a podcast for pastors of small churches. That's crazy. When I got into my new town, in the first week, I called two pastors of the 200 churches. Did you really? Well, because there's about all the churches there are in town. You're a good man. Right? Because most churches are normal-sized churches. Yeah. And I called them to get together with other pastors because that's that's not just my heart. That's your heart. Did you really do that? Oh, yeah, I really did do I that. I sent cease and desist letters to every church in town. <laughs> I said, you're not allowed to have Sunday morning services anymore. Oh, wow. Everybody has that's, to come here. Yeah, that's, that's so cool. So I went a different direction. Yeah, no, I didn't go that direction. That's cool that you did I that, I didn't Jeff. go that that's direction. That's very cool. But see, we, just because we're in different churches, right. uh, small church pastors, 200 church pastors, Ordinary size church pastors yeah. still need to be inspired, encouraged, and uh, and affirmed. Yeah, and we are going to affirm pastors of small churches. Yeah, we're going to continue to do that. Why? Because as I've said before, they're the Rodney Dangerfields of ministry. Can't get no respect. They don't get any respect, and they're going to get respect on the Two Hundred Churches podcast. Absolutely. And we're still going to speak into the life of the small church pastor because we were one for so long. Yeah. And you know what? The pa- the churches we're in right now, they're not that big. That it oh. isn't. All, it's just the same stuff. Yeah. It's just the same stuff. Yeah. We've just got more people to work with to help us do the stuff, and yeah. we still only have twenty four hours in a day. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not mad about this or anything. I can, I can tell you're not worked up and in the so, least. So, about- yes, we are going to continue to do <laughs> the podcast as we've done since January of 2013. That'd be like saying, "Hey, do you do you uh, still believe small churches are important?" Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely, I do. Yeah. yeah, why you think just because the church that I'm in it doesn't is a little bit bigger? I don't think it's yeah, well, absolutely. Small churches that's the that's the lifeblood of the kingdom of God, man. That's what I think. And thankfully, from the beginning, 
We've never been out to bash large churches. I mean, I have, but you've well, been, you've kept us on the straight and narrow. <laughs> no, we we never we celebrate we do. large churches, but doggone it, we're going to affirm how many large church pastors have we had on this podcast? A we've ton. had a number. I mean, yeah, yeah it's just so what we're about is encouraging and equipping pastors. And we're talking to small church pastors because right. the Rodney Dangerfield thing, right? Yep. They yep. don't get enough respect. And so we're not we're not changing the mission. We're not losing the mission. We're not vacillating from what we believe about small churches. And I'm glad you said something, Jeff. I'm darn glad you said something, Jeff. Doggone it. Yeah. That's our pastoral swearing. <laughs> Aren't we edgy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So, Johnny, you got the guest for today. I don't. What a sweetheart was, that he agreed. This is beautiful. I can't. Beautiful. Good yeah. jo- Johnny, good job. Tell us who the guest is. Today's guest is Ray Holland Batgirl. Ray Holland Baby Back Ribs. Sweet Baby Ray. <laughs> I still don't know any of those references. I know. But I know they're pop culture, yeah, so yeah, I yeah. even feel cool listening to Ray them. Ray Hollenbach. And uh, Ray has been on a handful of times with us before. It's always wonderful. It's always amazing. He is a pastor's coach. He's a lecturer of theology. Is that what he said his title is yeah. before we jumped on? Yep. He's a, so he's a pastor's coach, a lecturer of theology. He's an author. He's a thinker. He, he's the kind of guy you want to know. Uh, yep. And the just humble, humble sauce. When and he talks today about thinking he was humble and realizing he wasn't. Well, he's through that wilderness because he's humble again. I tell yeah. you what. And he's. I mean, I love Ray. He was great to talk to. I tried to cajole him into some free coaching at the end. He stood his ground pretty firm. I felt like. Yeah, but he offered you a sliver of hope. He did. He, he did. did offer me he a did. sliver of hope. But no, Ray is awesome. Students of Jesus.com. Check out his website. Check out his coaching. Check out his books. You're not going to be disappointed by this guy. And uh, Jeff, you give a pitch at the end, so I won't go over the top on it. But we seriously, we love Ray. We believe in what Ray is doing. And uh, and he joins us for a really great episode today. Yeah. And little known fact about Ray, he is a voice actor for the Winnie the Pooh character. Oh, yeah. So he's, the, he's the voice actor. So yeah, uh, you'll hey, hear that. <laughs> in, enjoy this episode that piggybacks off of episode 242. Ray Hollenbach, it's so good to have you back. You're from studentsofjesus.com, but you're our friend, so welcome. Well, greetings, Jeff. Greetings, Johnny. Both of you in new positions, right? That's right. Yeah, we yeah. are. We're sitting on different sides of the desk now. <laughs> yeah, we're in new positions. <laughs> there you go. I was trying to imagine either of you in the lotus position, but we won't go there. Oh, goodness, no. I can't. I couldn't stretch that far to save my, my life or my children's lives. So I, I'd have to look that up to see what position that is. I'm not, <laughs> yeah. I'm not hip enough. I, I think, can't do any of them. So. Ray, you're a child of the, of the late 60s, so you, you understand that stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, Ray, after last week's episode, you sent us a message. And you said that we could explore further something that we talked about last week, and you were willing, Johnny and you talked online, and you were willing to come and help us explore that. So just share with our listeners the message that you sent us last week. Oh, well, wow. First of all, what a great episode uh, last week with Todd Bolsinger. He talked about Lewis and Clark uh, and uh, trying to find that Northwest Passage. And then he talked about the idea of, well, what do you do if you're really good at canoeing, but then you run out of water and all of a sudden the environment is the mountains? Yeah. Hmm. And, and, and what really caught me was he said, you need this adaptive capacity, which he called the ability to keep learning while we're leading. So the message I sent to you guys was, 
wow, Todd did a great job covering the macro, the big picture stuff. But he also quoted Ron Heifetz and said that all change involves loss. And I was wondering, well, what kind of personal struggles, personal loss, personal pain can a pastor expect as they go through this adaptive capacity change. So that was the, you know, that was the the message I sent you guys. You know, you know, Ray, I've been thinking about that, and it's almost like in the day and age we live in now, for a lot of pastors, especially those maybe over 40, it's like there are no more home games where you have home court advantage or home field advantage. It's like, Everything's an away game, and a lot of these away games are in places you've never played before, and it's like you can't play your sport on with a home court advantage anymore because everything has changed. It's like you know, like you just quoted, the Rockies are in front of us, and we've run out of river to paddle down. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe that's a good thing because certainly the earliest followers of Jesus— they they didn't have a home court advantage. Everywhere they turned, they were they were in a world that was either openly hostile or just didn't care about them. They were blazing trails. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I was just having a conversation today, Ray, with Gary, who is the other campus pastor at this ch- well at this church, two campuses, you know, one church thing. And he was he and I were talking, and I was talking about this transition that I've made out of working a lot with college students and into this life of you know hospital visits and you know mm-hmm. traditional church ministry. Yeah, and I sure. was saying, you know, I don't I, n- I don't find that I miss it all that much, but you know, there's moments where yeah, there's something vibrant about twenty two, twenty three year olds that you just don't get when you're doing traditional ministry. And he laughed and said. If you could tell me how to go through a transition without grief, I would pay you for that secret, he said, mm-hmm. because I really don't believe that that's possible. But really, grief isn't something that, that we're really encouraged to live in very long, are we, Ray? No, we, I, I guess it's self-defense. We feel like we need to run away from it. And uh, even well-meaning people want us to snap out of it quickly. But I, but I actually think processing that grief, processing the uncertainty or the struggle, it might be part of God's plan for the spiritual formation of us as pastors. I mean, just because we're pastors doesn't mean that we're done being conformed to the image of Jesus. No, no, it doesn't. We've, we've only just begun. We've got to be the ones at the front of the line in that uh, conforming process. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, how can I lead my church? through adaptive issues, if I haven't dealt with them, you know. So, Ray, this is the reality that we're living into now, is that the, the, the land in front of us isn't like the land behind us. And we can, we can be on the podcast and we can rah-rah and, you know, tell people about adaptive capacity and, you know, being able to be capable in the areas that you've always been capable in while trying to learn new things. And I thought Todd and Suzanne last week did a great job of talking about that. But there, oh, yeah. is, but there is this element, right? There is this element of, of what now for pastors. And so what, you know, what, kind of, mm-hmm. what kind of patterns maybe or practices do you think that pastors need to be developing in their lives as they prepare for this new adventure? Oh, yeah. Well, um, uh, I, I've had a little bit of personal experience in it, so I, so I think I can answer that at least 
based on my experience. And then I, I do a little bit of work coaching pastors now. So I've heard from other people. Um, and uh, and then I, I, I think I've tried to distill it to at least four critical things that uh, that any of us have to do hmm. when, when we're facing that kind of grief or loss from the fact that the world is uh, changing. So uh, maybe I'll start with my own personal struggles, because uh, uh, I really felt like God spoke to me about transitioning uh, out of being a senior pastor and giving the church that I'd pastored, that I'd planted for years, to a guy who was 20 years my junior. Hmm. And, you know, the first thing I asked God was, is, well, am I going to die? And it was like, well, no, but if you want to ensure the health of the church, uh, give the leadership away to the next generation. And uh, that was part of, that was my first personal struggle is, well, whose church is it? And of course, you know, I, I know the right answer. I know, I know that, you know, I can get it right on a test. Well, it's God's church. Sure. But it wasn't a written test. It was a character test. Did I really believe that the church belonged to God and not to me? And, Ray, and then you'd, the, you'd been in that church for how long at that point? Oh, my. 12, 13 years. Okay. So you planted it. It was your baby for a dozen years, and now you're trying to figure out how to let this go so that it continues to grow and be healthy. Yeah. And, you know, the first thing was is that, you know, strategies – you, you can do those all day long, but if your heart's not right, uh, if it's if your character is not where it's supposed to be, then it's going to be hard to do a healthy transition. So that's why I said it was a character test for me. Uh, but then I had a, another personal struggle, which was just plain old fear. You know, like when you look around and you say, what will become of me? You know, is, is God able to care for me? Hmm. And oddly enough, you know, the people that we pastor – face those questions nearly every week. Um, but we can have a, a measure of security when when we're past the 10-year mark at a, at a certain church. So I had to face my own fears. Was God able to care for me if, if I moved on to some unknown thing? So fear and the ability to trust in God's care was, was a second very personal thing that I had to, to deal with. So fear was the second. What was the first again? Just that the transition was a, was wasn't a written test. It was a test of my character. Okay. Uh, and believe me, I, I found out where the leaks in the plumbing were with respect to my character. And the third thing, Jeff, that I that I began to realize is, as soon as I started dealing with the fact that maybe I wasn't the leader for the future, then pride rose up. It was like, yeah, but I've done this. I've done that. You know, pride, 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 everywhere I turned in my own thoughts. And uh, that's when I realized, okay, so this is actually my issue about personal growth in Jesus. So you thought, let me guess, you thought you were fairly humble. And then <laughs> when you started into this, were you surprised at the struggle oh, yeah. with pride? Yeah, because, you know, when it comes to humility, I thought I was like the greatest. <laughs> yeah, well, you, there you, go. you and me, Ray, the most humble. <laughs> Nobody's more humble than me. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, the uh, the idea is, is that uh, subtly, especially for pastors, and this is one of the effects of a life of a pastor, subtly, I had begun to see that I was the answer man for the people of my church. Hmm. And, of course, I would point them towards Scripture or towards spiritual formation, certainly towards the Lord Jesus, but I was the conduit for the answer. And when I began to realize that, I thought, well, maybe I'm the cork on the bottle and that I'm actually inhibiting their growth. 
you know, I think what you're talking about right there, the being the answer man or the answer woman at your church, that is something that pastors, it is the most easy, most natural thing to fall into. And look, most people in our church aren't going to help us not fall into that, right? That most of the people in our church, that's the reason we do fall into that is because they look to us for help. They look to us for advice, for even answers sometimes. And it can be so easy, so, so easy to get into that frame of mind. But I would wager that if you look at pastors who have styled themselves or maybe who fancy themselves as the answer woman or the answer man, that when they leave their church, it's real hard for that church to keep on going. Oh, Johnny, I think you're right on the money. Because what we've trained them is we've we've trained them to look for a savior that they can see and touch and feel. And that that's training that that's going to lead them astray. Even if here's the important part, even if we're giving them the right answers. Mm. You know, if you pastor a church for ten years and people don't know how to get in touch with Jesus on their own, then then you've left something lacking. Yeah. Could it be, Ray, that there are there are pastors struggling right now with the new terrain, as it were, with these Rocky Mountains of ministry change, and part of their struggle is because they can no longer be the answer man or the answer woman? Yeah, I, I really do think so. You see, because the, those these first examples we've talked about, that, that was just what was going on inside of me. But I hear from other people, pastors now, and they say things like, you know, my church is shrinking and there's not a thing I can do about it. Mm. And then what they're having to process is a sense of ho- helplessness or hopelessness or the idea that the events of the outside world are overwhelming them. And that can be really demotivating to a man or woman who has who has operated successfully. So, yeah, Johnny, I think you're right on the mark. Well, and then they, they have to ask the question, are the people who are left – in my church that is dwindling and I can't do anything about it, are they worth my continued investment? Mm. You know, or is my worth to be distributed elsewhere where there's a greater investment? And I think that's that's always oh. part of the tension in the small church. Well, Jeff, I, you know, I hadn't thought of that, but I think that is, um, that's pure gold because we live in a market economy. And so we can start looking for the exits. And to say, well, maybe my skills are more marketable somewhere else. And uh, so we're the ones who would jump in the lifeboat and leave that church on its own. I I don't know that pastors 100 or 200 years ago or 1,000 years ago had that option, but we certainly do, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes we do. So you've got the situation where you're moving and changing because you're initiating and making it happen. And and honestly and truly, I don't know where the lines are drawn in this, you know, because I've got I've got friends who just to me, from my perspective, seems as though they just decided they were tired of living in that area and they wanted to live in a different part of the country and they just went online and looked and they applied and they got another church and they went somewhere else. Jeff's talking about me. Keep going. No. <laughs> no, it's not you. But but I've had several friends where that's been the case. So, you know, do you move because you just pull the trigger and you make it happen because God has you move? Or are you the type of person where you're waiting for God's call and it doesn't come 
and you believe mm-hmm. that since it hasn't come, you need to stay where you are, even though not only is the church maybe dwindling and you can't do anything about it, but you also feel like we talked about last week that you've run out of river and all you've got in front of you are mountains, and you don't know if you could portage your canoe over that big hill. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I think um, I think you're putting your finger on uh, of the situation that many church pastors feel. But that but uh, that all sounds pretty hopeless to me. So so bail me out of the hopelessness here, Ray. Help me. Well, you know, you know, it's funny because I was praying about uh, chatting with you guys, and and things kept getting darker and darker. And I thought, well, this is going to be a bummer. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, the uh, the Lord reminded me of uh, this this religious professional guy whose name was Saul. Uh, you can read about him in Acts, and he was surpassing everybody in his chosen field, uh, which was serving you know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And you guys know where I'm headed with this is mm-hmm. that, you know, he's he's getting it done, and uh, then he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. And uh, most everybody listening would probably be familiar with the story. He spends three days in Damascus, absolutely blind, and he's left with this one thought, at least this is my imagination, in the blindness, sitting there in a strange city, and he's thinking, everything I know is wrong. Mm. And he realizes that he's built his life not actually on the scriptures, but on his own understanding of the scriptures. And yet he does make the transition. God sends him somebody to pray over him that that does the physical healing. But something even deeper is, is he began to learn what the Proverbs had been trying to tell him all along, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him. And, uh, and you know, most of us can quote that verse out of the Proverbs, but it's a little bit of, you know, for Ray, me, it's physician, heal yourself. When, when I begin to feel comfortable in my role, I need to realize sometimes I'm leaning on my own understanding. Mm. The second part of that is also true. When I begin to feel desperate or trapped, as you were talking about, Jeff, it's also possible that I'm leaning on my own understanding and that I just think circumstances are going to overwhelm me. Um, but Paul made the transition from being an enemy of God to being one of the greatest people in God's kingdom. And, uh, you know, if, if, if Paul can do it and if the Holy Spirit added that to the scriptures, uh, we, we may be able to take hope from that and say, then I guess maybe we can make the transition because because Paul certainly ran out a river and he was facing a mountain. You know, when I got here to the bridge where I'm pastoring now, um, it was maybe a few weeks in, and I sat down with Suzanne, and um, I don't I don't know how I said it, but it's like I had to admit, like I uh, I'm probably not really good enough for this job (laughs) like it was the mountains in some way and you know i'd been for five years with jeff and very different ministry very different context Mm -hmm. small church you know working with somebody like jeff who who made everything much you know easier and simpler and, and took a lot of that stuff and i just realized i i in my own strength in my own power in my own knowledge don't have what it takes to do this and there was something strangely freeing mm. about the admission um yes and she was so encouraging and and she was kind of like yeah exactly 
<laughs> which was beautiful. <laughs> but there was like, I don't know. Since then, I've been trying. I've been trying to, you know, be a little more contemplative and and a little more prayerful and a little more reflective, and realizing that those are the spaces where God will give me the strength for that which I am not strong enough for. And, you know, truthfully, there will come a day where I'll feel very comfortable with all of these things that right now seem foreign to me. And I hope that in that time, you know, I don't forget that God got me here. But I think that's just a word for pastors who are who are kind of in new territory is, yeah, you you probably don't have it in you to do this, but God does. Oh, my. And Johnny, what you said is just just so on point. And that is that it's liberating to come to that point, because when we can both understand it with our hearts and with our minds, and then you took one more step, and that was in a new church with a new senior pastor, you verbalized it. Mm. Then you were opening the door for deep change uh, to begin, because uh, Todd Bolsinger said it last week, that some of the hardest words for us to say you know, are not, I love you. Uh, the, the hardest words for us to say in leadership roles is, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And and then here you are coming into a new setting, and you really want to make a good impression, and you've got the courage to say to the new boss, I, I don't know, or I don't know if I can do this. And then what was unlocked in you was actually freedom, right? Yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, Ray, in just a couple hours, I'm going to meet with my elder team for the first time, maybe <laughs> – I need to practice. Let's see. <clears throat> I, I I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know. Man, man, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. you do, you know, as a leader, you don't, you don't want to say that, but it's the truth, yeah. right? It is the truth. Well, so, you know, you're, you're in such a great place, Jeff, because it's, it's a, it's a new call for you. And um, if this leadership team of yours begins to have that pattern or that expectation that you should know, maybe you'll have the chance to tell them that the the modern leadership skill, the new leadership skill, is our ability to discern God's voice together. Right, and so right. when I say I don't know, it doesn't mean we're out of ideas. It means that together we have to discern the voice of the Spirit. Yeah. And And you get a chance to set that pattern right up front. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That leadership in community and that discernment in community. And uh, then what was the phrase, again, that Bolsinger used last last week about learning as you go? Adaptive capacity. Yeah, capacity. Yeah, adaptive capacity, the ability to keep learning while we are leading. So, and that's, you know, I want to say, say to small church pastors that you're not the only one that needs to have adaptive capacity, but you can grab hold of your team, whether it's one other person or a half a dozen other people, and say, hey, team, we together have to develop adaptive capacity, the the ability to adapt as we lead and to adapt to the change around us as a church leadership team. And I would say to pastors, don't don't carry that responsibility by yourself. But if there's going to be leadership in community, let there be also a sharing of that adaptive capacity. Because in some areas of leadership, you're going to be able to adapt well and not in other areas. And But somebody else may mm-hmm. be able to adapt mm-hmm. well in those other areas. Yeah. yeah, the old model of leadership was Moses, the, the proud, lonely leader, right? Mm. 
Um, but uh, the, the New Testament model is that Jesus uh, both uh, recruits, selects, and anoints and empowers a team of people who lead together. And the Apostle Paul, even when he's writing the letters, he says, he doesn't just say, it's me, Paul. He says, it's me, Paul, and Timothy, or it's mm. me, Paul, and Silas. Uh, and so that's a that's a huge transition, and it is it can be one that gives hope to say, all right, we're going to learn this together. I think Suzanne said it last week when she said the the mountains may be frightening, but they're also beautiful. Yeah. And so yep. don't call them a challenge; call it an adventure. And so every every pastor, whether it's a team of two people or six, as you just said, Jeff, you can say we have a new adventure in front of us. So Ray, we talked now about these these things that pastors you know need to know or learn or understand you said first right is this is not a written test it's a test of character right or do you have the character for this new adventure second is fear right and naming the fear and giving mm-hmm. the fear to jesus right um, right yeah you you should be a little afraid <laughs> right <laughs> like that's that's healthy uh and then give it to jesus right who says fear not uh, no that's true you talked about pride Mm-hmm. And then, have we touched that fourth one yet? Yeah, the uh, I made just a brief reference to it. I didn't actually give it a number, but that is, uh, how do we lead others through adaptive issues if if we haven't dealt with adaptive issues? Mm, right. And you see, that's where planning doesn't help, working harder doesn't help, uh, going out and buying a new prepackaged program doesn't help. In fact, all of those things might be avoidance behaviors. Now, Pastoring and loving your congregation is it's a long game. So we can go through these adaptive issues without having to just tomorrow morning say, all right, we're going to do it differently. Uh, We may have to go through the adaptive issues one by one on our own and then draw our closest circle into it and then roll it out to the church. And who knows, that could be a 12 month, 18 month or three or four year project. So that that the, the fourth one, Johnny, was uh, going through the adaptive issues ourselves before we demand it of other people. Dude, you are spot on, Ray. And when you said that about buying a new program just as avoidance, man, that rings true, doesn't it? Because we oh, do think, oh, in this new, in this new time, a new program is what it is. Instead of VBS, we're gonna do VB Rockin' S. <laughs> VBRS? Yeah, VBRS. Yeah. VBRS. Well, the good news is is that you have a career ahead of you, Johnny, in marketing if the pastor gig Great. fails. <laughs> Ray, how about uh how about a closing thought for the small church pastor who has experienced that angst, that angst of uh the mountains being in front of them? And their paddle and their canoe are now useless. And when you said about Paul, when in Damascus, blinded, right, and he had met Jesus in that thought that everything I've believed is wrong, that that's that hit me. That, that Paul, mm. and I, I'm sure, I'm sure it was worse than that for Paul, right? Everything oh, yeah. I believed is wrong. Hopefully, there was some hope that hey, I just, but I just met the answer. And the answer is going to be the mission of the rest of my life. You know, hopefully mm. that feeling was alongside of it. But, you see, that's that's so good. But speak to, uh, yeah, speak to our small church pastors. Yeah, breathe some, breathe some life and inspiration into them. You know, 
Yeah, and more and more, Jeff, I find myself telling people, even when they describe their issues or their fears, I find myself saying rejoice because what's in front of us is an invitation to grow. Um, so for, for any ch- pastor, uh, uh, we have an invitation to humility, what Johnny uh, just so clearly said about even his new uh, role. We have an invitation to humility, and it takes downright courage to humble ourselves publicly. I think we need to be able to embrace self-assessment, whether that is done just you and Jesus alone, or whether it's with a spiritual director or with coaching. I think self-assessment is something that should be a regular part of our life, and it's life-giving. I think uh, sharpening our ability to listen, and again, that's like, well, of course you get that right on the written test. It's important to listen. But can we get it right in everyday life? Uh, One of my greatest mistakes as a pastor was not listening more carefully to my own spouse because she saw me processing things and she saw me under stress. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I didn't say, woman, be quiet, but my actions did. And so I regret that. Uh, So listening. And then finally, the idea of a renewed faith which is, you know, whatever got me started back in, you know, whatever year, pick your year, 1985, whatever got me started was enough to get me started, but it's not enough to see me through all that God has for me. It takes new faith for new growth, and we shouldn't shouldn't be afraid of that. So, Ray, studentsofjesus.com, if somebody wanted you to be their spiritual director for a while, or you to be their small church pastor coach. Could they get a hold of you there, studentsofjesus.com? Well, you know, you said that just the way I told you to. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't tell me, oh, listeners, he did not gosh. tell me. No, no, but really, really, Ray, because, you know, pastors can, you can, you can begin to feel desperate. You mm-hmm. don't know who to talk to. And no, true. they've just been listening to you for the last 30 minutes or yeah, whatever. Yeah. And, hey, you're somebody that can that can be retained for a modest amount. And what I was thinking in my head was, Pastor, look at your look at your budget and say, what have you what has your church been putting money into for maybe for years that is not getting any return? And it's really mm-hmm. you could just stop doing it and it's not going to make any difference. Take that little bit of money and put it into uh, making you better and helping you to grow with a personal pastoral ministry coach like Ray. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about Dave Jacobs at smallchurchpastor.com as well. Mm-hmm. As well. He's you great. Know, don't want to leave him out. But but right now you're on with us, Ray. And uh, <laughs> I just I just want to encourage. If you, you can't be with the one you love. <laughs> love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. Oh, my yeah, goodness. So I. Hey, Ray, I just I talked to you for a little bit yesterday on the phone and uh mm-hmm. easy guy to talk to. Yeah. You're very you got a positive attitude. Absolutely. You're looking at, at challenges ahead and you say, Hey, opportunity for learning, opportunity for growth. Ray's oh, the kind I, of a guy I, you need next to you. Well, thank you. And I believe that with all my heart. What did what did the apostle Paul say? These momentary light afflictions are producing in us an eternal weight of glory. Hmm. And uh, that doesn't mean we have to wait till we die to begin to experience that. I think I think Jesus is growing us and wants to deepen us even now, and of course in, in the age to come. Absolutely, so, you bet. Absolutely. Well, Ray, we're grateful for your time. Thanks for hanging out with us today. You bet. No, wait. I you know I know there's a parting shot, and I actually wrote one down because I didn't want to screw it up. Oh, the parting shot. No, we've already passed the parting <laughs> shot, Ray. Oh, okay. No, no, we'll give me your it parting then. shot. But we'll let, you, we'll let you give it. 
I wanted every pastor to know that the Heavenly Father is not like a worldly boss, that God is not trying to use you and then throw you away. God will use new circumstances to grow us deeper and make us more like Jesus than we ever thought possible. So we should embrace the the new terrain because it's what God's going to use to grow us. It's awesome, Ray. That's perfect. And thank you for thank you for stopping us so that we could get that parting shot because that really is true. And that's that's a truth that yeah, pastors need to hear and and remember. So thanks so much, Ray, for hanging out. You guys are doing a great job. I listen every week and keep it up, okay? Man, so good to have Ray on the podcast today. He he, and he shared a lot of encouragement with us. He really did after we stopped recording. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a great guy. Yeah. We love Ray, and uh, yeah, you talk to a guy like this, and you start to realize how how dumb you are. That's how I feel, at least. I'm like, I think I got it pretty together, and then I talk to Ray, and I'm like, ah, oh, man, I got miles to go before I sleep, dude. I mean, yeah. he's like, he's the total package. He's the real deal, and yeah, like you said, he shared a ton of information with us on this podcast, and then he really shared some encouraging words with us afterwards. I think he's might have what you got liquored up uh, to yell at why we're still talking to small church pastors. Yeah, at the beginning of the episode, yeah. yeah. Well, and he, he talked about being in a small church for 12 years and growing that church. He's told this story before. He grew the church to 250 in 12 years, yeah. and then he did have, I think, a couple-year handoff to a guy 20 years younger, and that guy has, I think, since taken it to 400 or 450. That's very cool. And so he's been able to watch his baby grow up in the last, oh, man, what has it been? Maybe five to seven years. Yeah, that's pretty neat. It, it is. It really is. And and just share about the struggles that he went through in the whole issue of dealing with his own pride the fear of you know what what was he going to do and his identity as a pastor and as a leader. So this episode is the perfect partner with last week's episode. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, you need to go back and listen. I mean, it was phenomenal. Lights out. Todd Bolsinger was awesome. And so this piggybacks on that, and I hope it gives you pastors some hope, right? And it gives you a little bit of reassurance of something to grab onto, of some of some tools that you can use to, yeah, traverse the mountains that stand in front of you. But, yeah, again, we appreciate Ray and his time and, uh, yeah, his willingness to help us produce this podcast that will now be going out in about, what, five hours? Uh, a little more than that. Yeah. A little more than five. <laughs> That's so fresh. But, this is freshly picked. Yeah, it's going to be out. Johnny, this is the last episode we're recording when I'm still homeless. Yeah. All my stuff is sitting in a trailer somewhere, I think, behind Funk and Wagnall's front porch. The older folks would get that would get that reference, but uh, it's going to get unloaded here in a couple days. Well, happy moving. There's this box, this big box that says it's heavy and it's packed with stuff and it's packed with some bubble wrap. It says podcast equipment. Ooh. I can't wait to unload that box and get that thing taken apart so you can come to my location and we can record together. I can't wait, man. It's going to be hot. It's going to be great. And we'll see you next week on the 200 Churches Podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and inspired by this episode of the 200 Churches Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe at 200churches.com and receive the guy's free PDF download called Our 7 Favorite Ministry Resources. You can count on us to be back next Wednesday with another brand new shiny episode just for you. Until then, may God bless you as you lead and love the people in your 200 church.
Boom. There we go. It's nice. It's always nice to see your face, Ray, but not while we record. Yeah, well, you know, what can I say? <laughs> Todd, it's not a, it's not exactly the money maker. That's right. <laughs> well, you, I tell you what, I like looking at your Skype picture more than I like looking at your face because it's about 20 years younger. <laughs> no, it's true. On. No, you look very contemporary, Ray. <laughs> Jeff started crying. Sorry, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing at him. Okay, I want to get started. You want to jump in? Okay. Yeah, I got to do something. I need to feel viral again and, and potent. Yeah, please edit the whole thing okay. and put it up. That would be yeah, phenomenal. No, I'm that. sick of doing this. Thanks for editing this, Johnny. You're a good guy. What time is it? 1 a.m.? Oh, don't worry about it. I hate you.